Father, thank you so much for your spirit moving through us. We just turn this service over to you. Lord, we just thank you for your desire and your commitment to us. And Lord, that what we seek and what we desire, uh, we desire it because you wanted us to desire it. Lord, we seek because you sought us first. Lord, thank you for your, your Holy Spirit now who lives big in each and every one of us. Lord, who lives in us to move, hallelujah, to move through us, to speak through us, to manifest through us. Oh, we're so thankful for the great and mighty Holy Spirit. Lord, that He is a moving spirit. Thank you, Lord. He is a speaking spirit, a revealing spirit. Thank you, Lord. And a spirit of power, a spirit of might, a spirit that moves tonight. Oh, Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for your divine presence, for your divine power. Thank you, Lord. Great and mighty are you. Great and mighty. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Well, God is good. Amen. If you have your Bible, uh, why don't you get that out for a moment? And let's look at the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3 and verse 1. Colossians 3, verse 1. If then you were raised with Christ. Does that apply to anybody here? Yes. If you were raised. Notice the, the prerequisite to the rest of what he's saying. If you were raised with Christ. How many know anytime the, the Lord in the New Testament now uh, wants to talk to us about what we should do. It's always preceded by what he did. Everybody with me? Otherwise, we otherwise we we come come at things uh, from a law uh, legalistic perspective. If it's all about just do this, just do this, just act this way, just you know conduct your life this way. Well, that's a law thing. That's a that really leads to bondage. All all it reveals is our inability to uh, to fulfill that completely. Right? You come over into the New Testament, before he tells you anything that you're supposed to do, uh, we're first of all told what he did, what he did in us, how he has made us new and made us right and made us clean, made us strong, made us able. Come on, the Lord did thus. And he, and he tells us that stuff. Then he says, now this is what you're supposed to do with that. Right? It's not like a directive or a command or an instruction from the Lord is... Uh, is not part of the New Testament. We'll find over and over again where the Lord will tell us how to act and what to do and what to say. And I'm thankful for that because all that all that really is is basically telling us um, what the Spirit of God would lead us to do. You might remember over in Galatians, the, the Bible says that those who are led by the Spirit are not, uh, how does it say it? Are not under the law. Did I quote that right? I'll look it up if, if you don't give me enough nods. <laughs> Basically, the principle is, is, is this, that if a person is led by the Spirit, they don't need any rules. You don't need laws. You don't, much of the instruction that we get for our lives 
becomes unnecessary, not untrue, unnecessary if a person is led by the Spirit. All right? You say, well, why do we have rules then? <laughs> well, frequently people aren't led by the Spirit. And what, that's, what, the, what the different instructions give us, it's not putting us back under Old Testament law. It's showing us how the Spirit of God would lead us. So that you, as you learn to be led by the Spirit, you can compare and say, oh yeah, I thought that was God, but I see that's kind of under the flesh area. Know what I'm saying? Sometimes people will say, well, the Lord told me this. And it's totally the flesh. And so you realize they haven't learned to be led by the Spirit. Because we've got some guidelines to help paint that picture. Okay? But again, any time then, under the new covenant of which we are free, we are new, we are sanctified and cleansed, uh, the Lord will give us instruction, but it's always um, uh, stated beforehand what He did in us so that we don't slip into the mode of operating in the flesh, in our own power, our own strength, and just again going into works mode. Okay? We, that, that's, a, that's always been a problem in the body of Christ. It really has. That's why we have script, we have books in the New Testament that are devoted, a lot of it to it, like Galatians, is, a lot of that is devoted to that, and Romans, a lot of that is devoted to it, because people were having a hard time not just following the rule book, you know, as far as living their lives and saying, uh, just by the commands of the Old Testament and the laws of God, and so they'd have to be taught, and believe it or not, even with the, this, these things written down um, over the years over church history, you'll find that the church very quickly and easily slips back into works mentality. And, uh, you know, even years ago, many people know about uh, Martin Luther and how, you know, when he nailed the, the what did he put up there? <laughs> to the door. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but basically he was accredited, with, you know, for the revelation of the just shall live by faith. Now, that's been in the Bible the whole time. But, but the church at large got away from it, and people were totally into works mode. And, uh, and many churches today, that's completely their, their deal. And, uh, and, and they got a Christian name on it, but it is all about performance. And, and the, the problem with some of that is even churches like ours, though our doctrine, you know, doesn't state that, we, you know, we're, we're grace people, faith people, righteousness people, and, and all those principles. There's still a tendency in people's mind to slip back into that deal uh, where we're just, trying to, we're just trying to do it for God <laughs> instead of let Him do it in us and we live that out. All right. Anyway, I didn't plan to say all that. Didn't, didn't plan to say anything, actually. But, <laughs> uh, um, but uh, uh, just wanted to point that out. If you were, if then you were raised with Christ, so that's the that's the uh, the, the prerequisite here to the rest of this that you've been raised with Christ. Keep that in mind now. I've been raised with Christ. He said, seek those things which are above. He didn't just say, seek those things which are above. He said, if you've been raised with Christ, then seek those things which are above. And so out of that new part of you, the part that's been changed, part that's been given life, he said, live out of that now. This is your natural new focus, okay? You've been born of God. You've been raised with Christ. This is where you're supposed to look now. This is where you're supposed to focus, you're supposed to keep your eyes on something. If not, it's not consistent with being raised with Christ. I mean, that's kind of a big deal. I don't know if we realize that. <laughs> that's kind of a big deal to be raised with Christ. 
Okay, he said, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on this earth, not on things on the earth. He said, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Is it okay to say you died? (laughs) You have to understand what he's talking about here. Say, you died, that's a negative. (laughs) No, I was talking about the old guy. Right, talking about the old man, uh, not your dad. <laughs> Don't call him that; that's disrespectful. <laughs> uh, uh, he said, "But but you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God." And so, this is the directive of a, of the new covenant. It is a lot about what we're looking at, what we're focused upon. Because even though we have been risen with Christ, there can be those risen people. Uh, you know, saved people, empowered by the Spirit of God people, and they get to looking at the wrong thing. They get to seeking the wrong thing in their life, and it really hinders that natural flow of what God intended to do through them. Okay? I mean, it's a power, it's a really a powerful truth that God would come in our day and live on the inside of people. I mean, not just be a God in heaven that we serve, that we look to, but literally this is far bigger than a religious system. I mean, this is far more powerful. And when we understand it, it's why, man, I don't want to have anything to do with that. I don't want to have anything to do with a religion or just a a system of rules and do's and don'ts. And and, and, No, I'm so interested in this. He lives in me. God came, came to make me His dwelling place, to make me His home. Amen. And out of that, living for Him is a natural flow, okay? But it doesn't mean that we can't override it by looking at the wrong stuff, by seeking the wrong things. See, there can be a trap for us because this is how we were in the world, and this is how much of the world is today. They are so focused on seeking things. And many live in fear. Many live in constant uh, uh, frustration and worry about trying to get their hands on some stuff. Uh, some of it's just the basic things that they need in life, and they're afraid of doing without. Hmm? I mean, none of us want to do without, but God lives in me. How could I ever be without? How many understand an, an awareness of God on the inside makes a person confident? I mean, is God really going to let his house get all run down? No. You know, you've seen people do that before. Maybe it was you. I don't know. But, you know, they just don't keep things up. Things start, paint's flaking off the wall. They don't bother, you know, fixing it. Things get dirty. They don't bother cleaning it. You know, and the, just stuff gets overgrown in the yard. And, you know, and if you let that stuff go, uh, probably everyone's let it go for a little bit. But, you know, if you let that stuff go long enough, how many know your house is a mess? I mean, it just, it, it'll fall apart eventually. And, uh, you know, bugs start to come in there and eat away at the wood. And, and a lot, lot of bad stuff can happen to your house. Well, why did that happen? Well, it's just because the occupier of the house didn't give any attention to it. Simply, right? And uh, God's the occupier of my house, talking about this house. The Bible says it's the temple. Our bodies are the temple of the Spirit of God. He lives in me. He takes good care of it. Amen. I don't mean that I can't override him, but he's going to always help me. 
He's going to always lead me to take care of the temple, to keep things in order in my life, to keep things working right. And so I don't believe my life is uh, headed headed to fall apart or headed for disaster. He's going to keep reminding me of things like this. If I'm led by the Spirit, I don't even need Colossians 3.1. Are you listening? Now, it's there for my benefit, and I'm thankful for it. But this is what the Spirit of God would lead all believers to do today. What? Seek Him. Look to the Lord. Seek Him above your own stuff. Amen. 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 Well, we might as well go over to Matthew 6 then. Probably already with me here on this and see the correlation of what Jesus said concerning these things. Matthew 6, verse 25. Jesus said, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life. What? Do not worry about your life. So Someone said, well, sometimes you just can't help it. The Lord would never tell us to do something that we're, we can't help. If we can't help it, he's wrong to tell us to do this. If it's out of our control. He said, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? What's the answer to that? Yes. yes. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of, of more value than they? Well, again, the answer is far more value. Jesus didn't, didn't die for the birds of the air, right? He gave his life for you and me. What's the value of your life? You can't put it in dollar figures. The only thing we can measure it by is the blood of Jesus. Because that was the price paid. That was the going rate for your life. It took not any sum of money or any material thing. It took the life of the Son of God. I got a feeling we're pretty valuable in His sight. Amen. Are you not of much more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now that means can you grow an inch? <laughs> are, you, are you able to grow because you worry about things? No. Uh, he said, so why do you worry about clothing? In other words, it doesn't work. Isn't God good? He, just, he tells us to do something or not to do something, but what's the reason? It doesn't work. Uh, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> um <laughs> I would, you know, even spend all that time worrying and fretting and fussing about. I wouldn't bother doing that because that doesn't work. I don't know, but I appreciate that. I mean, if I'm going about something, maybe I don't know how to do, and maybe you've found that is life sometimes. <laughs> so have you ever found that life? I didn't. I don't really know how to do this. <laughs> I know how to do life, but maybe some natural thing. Um, uh, you know, maybe there's something that, that you were trying to build and you just didn't really have the knowledge. I've had some experiences in my life that I despise um, of building things. One of them was a swing set. Years ago, we bought for my our daughter for her birthday. Oh, I hate it. And I know I'm supposed to be cautious using the word hate. I hate it. <laughs> it took me three days. I'd never seen so many parts. I'm pretty certain there weren't that many parts in the space shuttle. 
<laughs> Literally bags and bags and bags of, and a huge, I've filled up a whole garage. Oh, it was terrible. It's amazing, I finally got the thing built. Oh, I just still despise it. I'm uncomfortable thinking about it. <laughs> Anyway, what I was trying to say was what I would appreciate, you know, if I got to doing some stuff wrong, which in that process, of course, I did some things wrong and then took them apart and redid it. <laughs> and uh, we'd sure appreciate someone to come along and say, I wouldn't put that there if I were you, <laughs> you know, or I wouldn't do that first. I'd wait and do this, you know, people who are really mechanically minded, I guess, in putting things together uh, could have saved me some time. And uh, how many know the Lord wants, wants to save you some time? <laughs> He'll say, I wouldn't do that if I were you. And what is he talking about? In this case, he's talking about worry. He's talking about, you sitting there worrying your day away about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, and where, where's, you know, where the paycheck's going to come from. You're, you, you really going to take time doing that? You are totally wasting your time. That completely does not work. Hmm. As a matter of fact, how many understand that those things actually don't keep you a, as a net zero. They push you into the negative. Yes. Really, when, when uh, a lot of people get get sick and cut their life short because they spend too much they spent too much time worrying in life. Yes. I mean, it affects their health, affects their relationships. It it affects. Uh, I don't know if it's true, but they say it affects your hair color. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and, what? Yeah, yeah. You look at the presidents, Amy said. And that's typical for a lot of them to come in with color in their hair and leave without. You know, some of that's age, but it seems to be expedited, you know. Seems to go faster over that period of years there in the White House. And so, where were we? 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you uh, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So what's he saying here? This is what little faith looks like. You ever wonder what little faith looks like? <laughs> How many know you do never want to be called little faith? <laughs> that is a low blow <laughs> to a Christian. Little faith. Oh, I'm offended. You can't. You, you attacking my faith, Jesus? That was his language. Oh, you of what? Little faith. You have little faith. Little faith. <laughs> That's not nice. But this is what it looks like. Little faith worries. You see that? Little faith frets over. Ah, what am I going to do? Big faith doesn't act that way. Little faith does. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? So you see, worry typically comes out your mouth. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What sh or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. Now, how many understand uh, Gentiles just simply refers to sinners? In the time when Jesus was writing, Gentiles or non-Jews were outside of the covenant. Okay, technically we're not spiritually speaking, Gentiles anymore. We're in a relationship with God. We're children of God. 
okay? But he's saying, we, we would say it this way, that's how the world acts. This is what the world does. They're constantly seeking and going after stuff. They're constantly fighting for things. He said, this is not how you are supposed to act. They worry. You're not supposed to. They are little faith. You're, you're not supposed to be that way. Okay? He said, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. That's supposed to give us comfort and confidence right there. That my Father in heaven is not unaware of my circumstance. He's not unaware of the natural things that I need. Because I know that He knows, I don't have to worry like those who don't know that He knows. They don't know someone is in heaven who loves them and they are of such great value beyond their comprehension. So they naturally worry and fret and, 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 and ruin much of their life in the process. But I know about my Father who is in heaven, and I know that He knows. Obviously, knowing that He knows must also include knowing that His knowing means that He's going to be doing something about it. He doesn't just know. The Bible just doesn't let us know. Well, God knows, so we can just go, okay, good. I'm starving, and God knows about it. No, it's God is one who get, he wants to get involved. Amen, amen. Okay. And uh, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, this is the one that everybody knows. But seek first, see this goes compared to Colossians now. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. All these things. So that's a powerful verse. Sometimes Christians quote things, but it's one thing to quote it. It's another thing to actually do it. Yeah. All right. The Lord said, if you will make the kingdom of God the most important, you will seek it first. It's the pro top priority. It's the thing you live for in your life. Then he would add stuff to you. And so there's really, um, I don't know, a couple different ways to go about this. You can seek the things, seek the material stuff that you need. And if you get it, you also get an ulcer with it, just compliments of the worrying, uh, you know, or a heart attack or, you know, some of the other downfalls. Or if you seek the kingdom, you get the kingdom and the stuff, right? Isn't that what he said? If you'll look to this, if you'll focus on this, if you'll make this the main fixture of your, of your gaze, of your life, then I will make sure and add all the other stuff to you. All right. This is again one of the most, one of the more more well-known verses in churchianity, right? And uh, but also it's 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 one of those basic fundamental things that uh, people in general have a habit of getting away from, e even Christians. Okay. I I don't think that just because I I go to church that that necessarily means that I seek first the kingdom. That I'm doing Colossians and seeking those things that are above. I don't think it necessarily means that. I, now, it can be a reflection of that. Simply, if a person's in church, that, that does seem to indicate that God means something to them. Otherwise, you know, most, for the most part, they, would, they wouldn't be coming. Uh, but I don't think it necessarily indicates that I'm entirely seeking the kingdom first. Okay? There, there oftentimes can be other areas of our lives that, we, that really reveals where our focus is. 
Everybody listening? Because if my focus is truly in the right place, isn't this going to happen? Isn't there going to be an addition of things coming into my life? That's just the way it's going to be. And if I ever find myself where things aren't being added to me, and I really get into my own efforts and my own work striving for stuff, it's not that the grace of God has stopped, but maybe I've made it of ill effect or no effect in my life because I'm, I'm not just seeking first and letting Him work. But I've gotten my eyes on what I can do again now. Gotten my eyes on, oh, I've got to make this happen. Well... If things aren't working and I'm making things happen, again, I might, want to, I might want to check up. You know, what could be some areas that really reveal what a person is seeking first? Because I don't think anything of itself is an automatic indication. Just like you can have a church-going Christian, you know, seeking the kingdom of God to a degree but not really the first and foremost reason in their life. It's not the reason they go to work. I mean, I know that this might be kind of heavy duty, you know, mature level kind of stuff here, but it's not the reason they go to work. The reason they, you know, do all the things they do in their life because they're trying to advance the kingdom first and foremost. They really truly uh, desire the will of God more than anything. Where's that scripture where the Lord it said, I delight to do your will, O God? Psalm 40. Let's start in verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O God, and your law is written within my heart. How many know that's a, can you see that's a New Testament uh, prophecy there? Uh, That's that's what happened to us in the New Covenant is God wrote his law inside. That's why we don't need law. We know inherently by the Spirit of God what is right and what is wrong and what to do. But I like this language, I delight to. To do your will, O God. And and this is what we want to have operative in our lives today, is that we truly have a delight. I mean, could you be honest with yourself? Because we can change if we're not in the the right focus here. Uh, But do we delight to do God's will? I mean, there might be a lot of things we delight in. I mean, you might delight in, in eating certain things. You might delight in certain activities. You might delight... Uh, you know, in, 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 an, in another person. And, 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 but can you, with that understanding, like if you really love, uh, you know, you love to ski. And uh, if you really love to ski, you know what that's like when you talk about it, when you look at the mountain or the water, whichever kind you are into. Uh, you, you think about it, you look at it, something inside of you gets up for that. Yeah. You get excited. You, it's like, huh, nice. Because, you know, I used to do a lot of water skiing as a teenager. And uh, we always, from a child, our family, we were boat people. And, uh, you know, 
for we'd go on the lakes and the rivers and water ski and to see sometimes water that was just glass you know sometimes later late in the afternoon we'd go out on the snake river and uh and it'd just be glass or sometimes you had to go when we'd go to lakes on vacation you have to get up at six in the morning <laughs> and uh and then it was just glass and it's just like oh you can just feel that ski going through the water you know making those cuts and no bouncing around just nice and smooth and you see that huge wake touch your elbow to the water <laughs> maybe <laughs> and then you try to then we'd always try to barefoot ski too some of you might know how to do this but we never had the little boom thing on the side of the boat so we'd get going really fast take our foot out of the back get it on there on the water there you know and it's you're, you know, you're having them going really fast because we didn't know how fast you really needed to go. So, I mean, they've got it floored, and they're going so fast. And then we're, you know, you take the other foot out, boom! <laughs> and uh, have you ever bruised the back side of your eye? Actually, when we got married, I had... You couldn't tell, but I had bruises on the backside of my eye lids, and that was from wakeboarding, you know, going over the wake, and then you catch the tip, and then it goes, whoop, and it slams you on the water. Thank you, Lord. Done that too? Yeah. All right. So, uh, <laughs> how does this fit? Anyway, when you, yeah, when you really enjoy something, you take delight in it, you think about it, and it's like, yeah, you get up for it, you get excited about it, you know, maybe a vacation, maybe you're, you get up and you're, you're excited about it. Can you say that now about the kingdom? I mean, more than a, yes, that's my commitment. I believe probably most of us, our commitment is there and principally we're there, but do we literally get excited about the kingdom of God and we think about people getting saved we think about a church service we think about serving and doing something for the kingdom to you know just play our role and be our our part in it it's like yeah like the smooth water like the powdery snow whatever it is that turns your crank Uh, we think about man this is the kingdom of God where we delight to do His will. I think sometimes that can be an indication of where we're at and if we're really seeking first the kingdom. Amen. You know, and you can acquire a taste for things. You really can, especially if you got it in you. I'm talking the kingdom now. But how many know if you participate in an activity or eat certain things at first... It's like, ah, I don't really like this. But you do it enough, you can become accustomed to it and then even miss it if it's absent and you begin to take delight in certain things that weren't normal to you before. And and the kingdom of God is that way. Plus, you know, it's just naturally good. Remember the scripture, uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words... What we're talking about here is not learning, excuse me now, but not learning how to enjoy broccoli. That would be tough. 
<laughs> but we're talking about learning. We're talking about conducting ourselves so we delight to do His will, and His will tastes good. <laughs> His kingdom is sweet. It is satisfying. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. Everyone in the world likes to receive. I mean, they like stuff. But the kingdom works this way. I feel really good about giving. And we can literally get our kicks from serving God. We can literally find our joy and excitement from doing kingdom business. And we get up in the morning and we say, Lord, I seek the kingdom today. You know, I make you the most important thing in my life. And it's amazing how much life will work in your body and in your mind, your emotions, just from doing that, knowing that God in that process starts adding things to you, just starts adding things to you. This is the way of the kingdom. It really is. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. Everybody okay with this so far? Proverbs chapter 3. Hmm, let's see. Verse 9, 3 verse 9. It says, Honor the Lord with your, what? With your possessions. Reading the New King James, not the old one. Some of you (laughs) need to upgrade. Honor the Lord with your possessions. It's talking about your stuff. And with the, look at that word, first fruits of all your increase. Now let's first see what what, what will happen if we do this. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Okay, they were agricultural type of society. Uh, And your vats will overflow with new wine. Okay, they're going to have big harvests. They're going to have abundance. They're going to have plenty of what? Possessions. All that stuff is going to come. They're going to have tons of stuff if they do the first part, and that is honor the Lord with their possessions. If you honor the Lord with your possessions, you're going to have an abundance of them. Okay? But notice that line there, with the first fruits of all your increase. That, that's a word that has, that's, I think has been confusing it to, to some. Oftentimes it's used interchangeably in many of our uh, explanations with the tithe. But technically it's not the same thing. Technically the first fruits of someone's increase is not a tithe because a tithe is 10% of what came in. A, when a first fruit comes in, you don't know how much is going to come in. So it can't be a percentage gift. All right? And, and we know that, that, that really when you, when you view that word in the New Testament, it's never used in relationship to our offerings. It has to do with Jesus being the first fruits and so forth. Uh, and, you know, we, of course, we came after him. However, the principle is worthy of, of, of notice and, and thought in line with our discussion here of 
keeping our eyes on Him, finding our delight in the Lord. One of the ways that we do that, and this is one of the revelations of where we're truly at, because if I'm truly not seeking first the kingdom of God, I'm throwing a wrench in the system for all these things to be added to me. And I don't know about you, but I kind of like a free flow there of the addition. All right. And so another thing to check is what do we do with the first that comes to us? When I have possessions come to me, what do I do with the first? Now, under the Old Testament, they had a lot of these rules and and regulations for their offerings and their giving. And and we can learn from the principle of this and, and be led by the Spirit in how we implement these things in our lives. But basically, if someone was a wheat farmer, the first fruits of their increase was not a tithe. They would do that after everything was done. But the first fruits simply meant that the first harvest or the first, however they measured that, but it was the first part of that harvest that would go as an offering. All right, that would be given to the Lord. Um, If someone had cows and you got a new cow, you know, I mean, grown up cow, and uh, that cow had a calf. Well, you didn't know how many calves that cow was going to have through its lifetime. But the first one, if it was only going to have two, then I guess it would be half. But you don't know that. But you give the first calf to the Lord. When the first is given to the Lord, how many know the rest is blessed? When the first is dedicated to God, the beginning of anything is done and dedicated to the Lord the rest of it now has the blessing of God on it. See, this is a principle I think we should be, I mean, as believers, we should be aware of this kind of stuff. It's a way now for us to operate in faith. It's a way for us to even expect that God's hand is on our business, is on our eBay sales, is whatever, is on whatever our our activity is in, is that whenever you start something new, you give the first part to God. I'm not talking about tithe here. Tithe is essential. Okay? But we give the first part to God. You know, it's it's common for uh, someone, if they start a business, you ever seen them frame the first dollar? You know, they get like the first dollar they made in their business, they'll put it in a frame, put it on the wall. Well, I think a better idea would be to give that dollar to the Lord. Amen. To be on. Now, again, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not talking to you about laws here. That's not what we're under. And I'm, again, I don't see this, that kind of thing as a big teaching in the New Testament. I don't even see tithing as a big teaching in the New Testament. It's mentioned a few times. But much of this we learn from the Old Testament and see how it's implemented in 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 the New Testament. But I know this, if I really am seeking first the kingdom of God, if my business is this way, I'm not having a business. Now, understand, this is Christian thinking here now, just in case you're wondering. I don't have a business just to get rich. Although we're not opposed to rich at all. God's not opposed to rich. He's opposed to covetousness. Right? Better rich than poor. Right? But I don't have a business 
to get rich. I have a business to fund the kingdom. Everybody listening? If I go in it with that mindset, how many know this is God's business now? And when stuff starts happening, what am I doing? I'm funding the kingdom with the first, with the tithe, with whatever the Lord would lead me to do. But oftentimes we can see where our priorities are. If we're really seeking first the kingdom by what happens with the stuff that's in our hand. What we do with the things that are in our control. And are we first and foremost thinking? You see, if I get a a bonus from the Lord, you know, if I get a a sudden increase, uh, and that's happened before to me in my life, if I get a sudden increase in my life where, you know, X number of dollars are given to me or I find success in, in some investment and wham, is my first thought the boat, <laughs> the car, the whatever, new clothes, all right. None of those things are evil in, of that self, evil in and of themselves. But is that my first thought, now I can do this? Or is my first thought, praise God, I've been wanting to give to this. I've been wanting to get this money working in the kingdom of God. If that's not our first thought, this would be an area of checkup to say, you know, do I really make the kingdom the highest and foremost priority in everything I do? And it would be willing, it'd be worthy of a a, a personal heart checkup. Amen. And if you're, I mean, be honest with yourself. I'm not asking you to tell me, you know. Just be honest with yourself. And you find, if you find yourself in a position and you would say, you know what, I wouldn't think of the kingdom first. Well, be honest with the Lord and say, Lord, I want to. If you do, say, Lord, I'm seeking my own kingdom in front of you. I recognize that now. But I want to change. Help me, help me in this. Lord, I'll help you to get your priorities right. Help you to help you to get your focus. And you'll be a doer of the word. And you'll find that that'll be your first and foremost priority. You might you might be thinking, Lord, do you want me to give all of it or half of it or what do you want me to see? That mindset is foreign to many, and the Lord might say, No, get the boat. He really might, because he wants you to have a boat. Maybe you know, I mean, if you want it, if the kingdom's being sought first, there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it at all. Amen. But it, it's it's that principle of putting him first. How many know even with the tithe, uh, the, probably many of you are tithers. Hopefully all of you. If you're not starred, it would be a good idea for you if you want to prosper. But the tithe should never, I believe, be the last 10%. But it should be the first 10%. And I know sometimes people think, well, what's the difference? It's the same dollar amount. If I take the first 10 or the last 10, it's a priority thing in your heart. It's not a dollar issue. Have we ever seen that the Lord is not really that much into dollar amounts? Of course, dollars weren't even around, and hopefully they'll be around for a little while longer. <laughs> but uh, uh, they weren't around then. But it's not just about a dollar issue. It's about a heart issue. What does the Lord want me to do? Amen. And, and when I tithe, is it, ah, oh, 
Okay, bill, 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 pay for this, pay for this, do this, do this, do this. There's enough left to tithe. Thank you, Lord. See, that approach is really inviting, I think, inviting disaster. Not from the Lord. It's just we're not operating in faith that way. We're operating in, oh, I made it. I got to tithe this week. Go to look at Malachi while we're talking. Last book of the Old Testament. Malachi 3. And this is, again, again, well-known verses, but we'll just go with it. Verse 8, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me, but in what it, but you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Okay? Look at verse 9. It says, You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, now that that's not saying I don't believe the Lord was telling them, Okay, you didn't tithe, now here's a curse. No, he's saying Look around you. Can you not see how things are working? Can you not see how things really are not working? You you guys are having trouble here. Things are not working for you. That kind of goes back to what Jesus talked about in Matthew 6. Stop worrying. It doesn't work. And the Lord's telling these guys, "Stop, stop what you're doing. It's not working. You guys are operating in a curse here. Here's what I want you to do to get out of it. He said, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. They don't bring part of it. He said, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive it. And he goes on to say some other good things about rebuking the devourer. But notice what he's saying. You guys are basically operating in a curse. And I'm going to tell you how to stop that. I'm going to tell you how to, you know, reverse the curse and get in a blessing. The curse is eating you guys up. The blessing, the blessing that I have for you, I'm ready to pour it out. But you need to do this. It's called an act of faith. Because how many know, typically when someone is not tithing and offering, it is a faith issue. Because it's a concern that if I give this to the Lord, then I won't have enough. Or if I give this away, then when I need it, it might not be there, so I need to hold on to it just in case. So it takes, it takes a step of faith for a person to be a giving person, one who gives tithes and offerings. They have to take a step of faith because they give it out of the first chunk there. It comes right off the top. They give that, and now it's gone as far as their usage. They have to expect that God will do exactly what he said, open the window, pour out blessings. All right? But notice it's the step of faith first. It's the response that comes after that. You know, it can be kind of like healing. A person has to, like when we do a service in here, they have to get up come forward, they have to come to church, sometimes in pain, they have to get out of it, they have to come forward, have hands laid on them, typically now, before they feel any better. 
they take the step of faith, then it manifests in their life. Likewise, it is with giving and these, these type of things that we take that step of faith and then it manifests. Oh, God so wants people to not operate in cursing and he wants people to operate in blessing. Amen. He wants not people not to strive and struggle, but he wants people to honor him first. Honor the Lord by giving him first fruits. The very first, the best, the cream of the crop. You honor him with it. Not you just give it away. You honor him with it. It's not a matter of credit and debit. Debit my account, credit ministry account. It's a matter of honor. I'm going to talk about this soon, during offerings probably, uh, about keeping these things holy in your life. Remember the uh, scripture said that the tithe is holy. Many people have made it unholy. It's just, it's just a financial transaction. Or the, fi- or the finances get transacted, transacted in some other way. It gets used for other things. And what they've done is they've made what God said is holy, they've made it unholy. You see, and the, Lord, and the Lord wants, the Lord, now the Lord needs you and I to operate in this so the kingdom of God can expand and grow. He needs in our day people to step up to the, step up to the plate. I think, you know, we can help our country. Our country's in financial woes. You know, I know there's a lot of bad decisions being made. And there's, you know, there's people in Washington that really don't have a clue. Uh, but listen, I know most, for, for many of us, that's not us. I don't know if anyone here works in that. But listen, uh, that's not us. Can we have any part in this? I believe if the body of Christ would rise up and begin to tithe and give offerings, that we could affect the economy of our country. Why? Because it's a step of faith into the blessing of God. And as children of God, the blessing of God is ours. It's rightfully, it, it resides in us. But we take a step of faith... And it opens the floodgates. Isn't that the biblical principle? It opens the floodgates into our lives. What, what, what is that? That's economic boom. Amen. And no doubt if I'm talking about it, I'm not the only one in the country. You, th- you might think, well, what could we do in our own private Idaho? You know, can we really change things? Listen, the, the Lord knows what he's talking about. And he'll lead me in a direction to help us and praise God for that. And he'll lead people all over our country in the same way. And Because God doesn't want our, our nation to go down. Doesn't want our nation to lose financial status and to be, you know, like California, bankrupt. Right? He really doesn't. And I know there needs to be fiscal responsibility, of which there is none in government. But listen... The blessing of God not only increases finances, the blessing of God gives wisdom. Where people's eyes are open and all of a sudden they see stuff. What are we doing here? Huh? And they'll turn over that stupid health care thing. Why? Well, people are blinded. That's why they don't see some of these things. And the blessing of God changes this. The blessing of God opens people's eyes so that they can now operate in, his, in, in that blessing instead of making, you know, making bad decisions. And just like I've made bad decisions in my life financially at different, different times, and 
It wasn't God's fault. The blessing of the Lord was available to me, but, you know, I got out of it. Did some things outside of him. Amen. But I believe there's a potential for some really good stuff to happen in you, in me, in our church, and out and beyond, and, 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 and everywhere the Lord would, would help people to see these things. Okay? No situation is too tough. You know, you can read in the Old Testament that some of you might, might recall the story of the four, the four lepers and, uh, and how Israel was being besieged and, and, uh, and they were starving. They were hurting for certain. And the prophet came and said, tomorrow, he said, that such and such will sell for nothing and, and uh, basically that everything would change. And, and it did. The Lord supernaturally moved. And by the next day, they were flooded Amen. with with material stuff and food and all the things that they need. He turned the thing around in a night. It's more than one time the Lord has done stuff. He can do that for you personally. I'm telling you. This is God we're talking about. And someone's going to think, I don't know how that could happen. I'm not a leper, and we're not being besieged. And uh, listen, (laughs) it's not just about things working out exactly like that, like uh, like some story, we're talking about God. He knows of ways and angles and opportunities and ways to get us things. Things can change overnight for you to where it's difficult, it's hard, and tomorrow you're laughing. You're laughing all the way to the bank. Amen. This is the God in whom we serve. He's faithful. Come on now. He's able. He can turn it around today. Thank you, Lord. Say, what's our part? Look. Set our eyes on the things that are above. Make the kingdom the first and foremost priority. And when things are turned around, when the abundance of God is flowing like it never has before, keep your focus. That's when some tend to lose their focus. Everything's good now, and they start getting carnal. No, keep your focus. Eyes on Him. You'll always win. Amen? Amen. Keep your focus on the throne room. Delight in His will. I take pleasure. I find fulfillment in the Word of God. I'm thrilled. I delight to do what God wants me to do. Amen. Let everything material become second. Or, you know, third or fourth. You know what I'm saying? But not occupy that top place. I think you'll water ski better. (laughs) When it's not the most important thing in your life. It's not, well, if I don't, you know, do this well, if I don't succeed at this, man, my life is over. No, my life is not over if I hold on to Jesus. If my relationship with God is intact and I'm focused and continuing to put Him first, no, it doesn't matter if every natural thing fails. The Word of God will prevail in me. And ultimately, with that mindset, You're a prime candidate for the blessing of God to flow richly in. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Isn't God good? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Well, uh, amen. Amen. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for the hand of the Lord upon each and every one here tonight. Thank you for the blessing of God in every person's life. I thank you that you're helping us, giving us wisdom, giving us understanding, giving us uh, direction, 
But Lord, we, we consecrate ourselves. Listen, do this in your own life right now. Uh, you know, you can reaffirm or if adjustments need to be made in any area, do this right there in your seat and, uh, and, and, and make some adjustments, even if it's just, Lord, help me to do this. But if you find gaps in your, in your personal prioritizing of God's business, His will, His kingdom in your life, then maybe it's a time to talk to him and say, Lord, I'm going to shore that thing up right now. I'm going to get my eyes back on the ball here, and I'm going to focus on the kingdom. Lord, we just love you tonight. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we delight to do your will. Lord, we just delight to do your will. Lord, may not a person be distracted, be deterred. Lord, be led away and be kept out of your perfect will. Since we've been risen with Christ, we now focus on those things that are above. We focus on those things that are above. We fix our eyes on you. Lord, we, we, we fix our gaze upon you. Lord, you're the reason we live. The reason we live. For it is in you that we live and move and have our being. We have life in you. Thank you, Lord, that Christ is our life. He's not a part of it. He's not something we do on the side. Lord, you are our life. You are our very focus all of our days. In all we do, Lord, we focus our eyes on you. Thank you, Lord. Well, we always come back to you. Come back to you. We refocus our eyes on you. We'll say it out loud. God's working in me. He's working it out. Working it in me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I, I know that there have been times in my life where I was interrupted by the Lord to get my focus back on something that I knew he wanted me to do and I was busy doing all kinds of stuff and uh, and I in the middle of it wanted was seeking him to do something for me and trusting him to provide something and as I'm going down this path the Lord interrupts me in his love I'm thankful for it even though I, sometimes it's like at the moment uncomfortable he interrupts me, and it's like, what are you going to do about this that I dealt with you about? And I knew right in the middle of it, that's what's, up, that's what's holding back these things I'm seeking. What is it? God's plan first. What He wants first, then what I want. It's not that what I want is unimportant. I belong to Him, and He loves me and wants it to be taken care of. But there are times when he'll say, uh, you know what, I'm going to take care of that for you, but you're going to do this first. This comes first. And if we get our eyes off the ball, we delay things. It just pushes it out. Amen. But the Lord in his love and mercy will bring us back. And be, what about what I talked to you about? <laughs> and we thought because we forgot about it that the Lord forgot about it too. <laughs> no, 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 no. 
we, uh, we don't fully understand a mind that operates that way because we do forget things or things like a while back seem like a long time ago. I have a feeling that we get outside of this life and get into uh, heaven that we'll remember things. I don't, you know, I, I know time is different, but we'll remember things that were a long time ago and it, was be, it would be just as fresh as if it happened yesterday. And so when the Lord deals with us about something, it's not like it goes away. It just becomes something that's necessary in the progression of all that's going to transpire in your life. You take that step to do what He wants you to do, and then other things start falling into place. That's one reason I'm excited about our church and what God's doing with us corporately, because I've done some things that I know the Lord wanted me to do, and some still some we're still doing. And and anything that you know, anything that needs to change, I believe the Lord in His love and mercy will help us. To get things in order for His power to flow freely. But I believe we're walking in the will of God, in the blessing of God, the favor of God, and great things are going to transpire. Amen. We're in the right place at the right time. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. But a lot of times, you know, it's about getting our eyes focused on, be talking about what the Lord has done.